For those of you that don't know that 2,000-year-old chant, we're going to do it again. And you can't forget the word indeed on the end of it. And uh, a young 20-something or a teenager actually just taught me something this morning that we're going to add to it. Uh, I think it's, uh-huh. Is that, what's, what's that what's on the front end of that? What is it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, he is risen. He said, yeah. He is risen indeed. That'll merge the two generations, all right? You guys ready? He is risen. No, no, no. You got to yeah. Come on, Gaitha. Huh? Before the he is risen indeed. It's like a, it's like an, it's like a Gen Z amen. Yeah. All right. It's in, in the Greek. You can just search for it. You'll find it in the original language, right? He is risen. See what you started, girl. Yeah, yeah, you did. Uh Uh-huh. That's on you. All right. Oh, my goodness. Good morning, church. Good morning, morning, online community. It's great that you're joining us here today. And uh, for those of you visiting for the first time, my name is John. I'm the pastor at this fantastic church. Was that for me or for the fantastic church? All right, we'll take both of them. All right. <laughs> you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's going to lie. That's going to stick. You. Yeah, so uh, this gal, after, after Resurrection Sunday, this little second grader, she was in class, and the teacher told them to draw whatever they wanted to draw, and so she was drawing something, and the teacher walked over by her desk and said, what is that? And he said, oh, I'm drawing God. And she said, oh, nobody knows what God looks like. She said, they will in a minute. <laughs> Jesus said that he was the exact expression of God on the earth. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So he is what God looks like. And today we start a new series called Hope. For many of us, I don't know if we've ever lived in a time that seems more hopeless. Especially for the next generation. What they see, what they get to see, what they're experiencing just seems hopeless to them. It's not. But it seems like it. Is there really, question for you this morning, is there really any hope in this world? Okay. For you know-it-alls, outside of Jesus, is, let me rephrase that. Is there really outside of Christ? Okay, look, you took away my punchline, all right? You took away the, is there really, like, is there someone, someplace, something you can put your trust in 100% without any insecurity that it might fall through? I mean, think about our politicians. You get your favorite politician in office, right? disappointment after disappointment after disappointment ever since, right? You get some, but... It's disappointing. You put your money in the stock market or other investment vehicles, unpredictable at best. In some seasons of life, you lose it all, 2008, other times. Some people make a boon. I mean, they they prosper. But the Bible says, even if you are rich, do not put your trust in riches because they will grow wings and fly away. That My wife and I got married. 
I was on staff of a mega church. My dad was a multimillionaire. And she had not met my dad before we got married because I saw her and I said, I got to have that. And we just got married. And then I said, oh, you want to meet my family? So we're pulling up to my dad's estate. And as we pull up to my dad's estate in Ohio, his gates with the big E on either gate, right, for Ettore, our last name, the gates are opening up and you're going into the largest home in the state of Ohio. He built it. He was a builder. And she looked at me. She said, you told me your dad had money, but you did not tell me he had money. Well, he lost it all, right? And that megachurch I was a part of folded. And she still stayed with me. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't know. That's because she's faithful, right? She said, I do, and she meant it. For better or for worse, and it's just been worse. For better for me, it's been great. But for her, not so much. But those riches just grew wings and flew away. We would, have, we would at least have had a million bucks. Some people put their hope in people, and the I do doesn't last, and that's devastating. It's a dream that's just shattered. Many of you have gone through that. Tremendous pain, and it's hard to trust people again. So people then decide to put trust in themselves, but that doesn't last very long because you go through life long enough, and you realize you need people whether you like it or not. Some people are really well balanced. They have a chip on both shoulders, right? <laughs> But sometimes they come by it honestly because they've been through much, so much pain and suffering and people have let them down over and over again. I'm just going to depend on myself. But when you go through crisis, you find out you've got to have doctors. You've got to have uh, friends. You've got to have counselors. You've got to have somebody that's going to help you up. And then when your time's of joy, you've got to celebrate it with somebody, right? Kind of like the pastor who lied because when he got out of bed one morning, he saw what a beautiful day it was and he wanted to go golfing, but he had to go preach. He's like, dang it, I want to be out on the links, man. And so he, he called up his associate pastor and pretended like he was sick. Oh, Frank, I'm, I'm just not doing well today. Will you take the pulpit for me? Oh, yes, pastor. Oh, hey, we'll pray for you. You just get some rest. I'll take care of it from here. Great. So he hangs up the phone, grabs his golf clubs, goes out. First hole, man. Woo. Right. Lines it up. <clears throat> that thing is going. I can't. How far is that going? He gets in his cart, goes all the way through the fairway, all the way up to the green. The ball's in the hole. It's a hole in one. It's a hole in one. And the angels going to bust into God's throne and say, God, what are you doing? This guy lied to his associate pastor. He's being negligent with his church. He goes out golfing on Sunday morning and you give him a hole in one. Why did you do that? And God says, who's he going to tell? When you go through life, you need people in crisis to half your pain, and you need people in your times of successes to double your joy. I personally think is a gift when we come to the end of ourselves, because that's when we meet God. We all need God, but our self-sufficiency will lie to us and tell us we don't. That's why trials have a special way revealing to us our humanness, our limitedness, and our need for God. So they're really a gift in themselves. This is because that's when we are humble enough or desperate enough to seek Him. I think about a young 20-something that went to college for her first time and 
COVID hit during her freshman year. You know, for those of you that experienced that, man, it blew up your freshman year. Um, the isolation, uh, the loss, you, know, you move out of home and you get to go spread your wings, find out what your potential is, discover your journey, find new friends. And then that all gets taken away and, and then you see alcoholism skyrocketing and drug addiction skyrocketing and suicide ideation and actual suicides where many of the young, the, the Gen Zs and the millennials see their friends killing themselves. Devastating. And then you see the, ru- the, the world rulers just fighting like cat and dogs and like children, ripping each other apart and, and the economy and the inflation. And it's just devastating. And then this particular young gal has someone very close to them in her life who's battling a fatal disease. And she said to me, at that point, at my lowest, I had to make a choice to either turn to God or away from God. Thankfully, she chose to turn toward God. And her spiritual growth skyrocketed. Because you need God in the valleys. You do not want to walk through the valley of the shadow of death without Jesus. Because then you're all alone, which makes it a million times, billion times worse. You see, in life, the question isn't if tragedy or trials or suffering is going to happen to you. It's when it does, are you going to go through it with God or without God? That's the choice. And my hope is that you'll go through it with God. Because God, in this opening series, here's our foundational text for this series, Romans 15, 13. I love this verse. Say this out loud with me. Come on, let's quote it together. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of your circumstances. What? Isn't that where we find all of our undying, unshakable hope is in our circumstances? What is one of God's names? What do they call him right here? The God of hope. Say it out loud. Say the God of hope. You do not need supernatural hope, yes, from the Holy Spirit, not from your circumstances, that he may abound, and hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You do not need the Holy Spirit infusing into you supernatural hope if you have hope in the natural. It's when there is no hope, where do you find hope? Well, according to the scripture, you find hope in the God of hope. The world needs supernatural hope. And it's found in Christ. This is what Jesus said in John 16, 33. I have told you all, I've told you all this so that you may have peace. Everybody say peace. peace. Yeah, isn't that what everybody on this planet wants? We try to get it through drugs and alcohol. We try to get it through entertainment. We try to get it from other people. We try to get it from eternal vacations that always end and you're back into Monday morning. I mean, we try to find peace at all costs. That's when I was smoking pot day and night before I gave my life to Jesus. It was about peace. It was about relief. It was about escape. It was about, you know, you got to get out from underneath the pressure. But when I gave my life to Jesus, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> if I smoked pot now, I'd come down. And I mean that. 
I don't mean I always feel great. I wake up and I don't want to get out of bed either. But smoking pot would literally take me to a place that is cheap. And my brain would be foggy and, you know, you're just, you're just lethargic. And the Holy Spirit is energy and life and power and peace and joy. He's God in the earth. That's why he says the Holy Spirit will make you abound in hope when there is no hope. You're like, why do I have hope right now? All my circumstances are hopeless. Where am I getting this hope from? From the inside out, if the Holy Spirit is in you, he will be, and God will breathe his Spirit into your soul the minute you give your life to Jesus Christ. All your sins will be wiped clean, and God will go, He'll breathe the Spirit into you. And you'll be what Jesus called born again. Born spiritually. You're born in the natural, but then you can be born spiritually. You're not, being, you're not joining a church or joining a club or joining some fellowship. You're literally being born again into the family of God. It's a supernatural experience that happens, bam, just like that, as soon as you call on the name of Jesus. Can I hear an amen in here? Amen. So Jesus said, I, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Not in religion, in me, Jesus says. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Thank you, Jesus, for prophesying that over our lives. But take heart because I have overcome the world. How did Jesus, what does that mean? How did Jesus overcome the world? Talk to me. How did Jesus overcome the world? Yeah. Not only did he defeat death, before that, he lived a sinless life. He overcame sin and temptation. He overcame the temptation of the devil. He overcame the temptation of his flesh. He overcame the persecution and the, the, the trials and the suffering and the, uh, and the injustices, the betrayals. He's experienced it all. So when you go through abandonment and betrayals and suffering and persecution and all of that, he identifies with you. He feels you. And he can carry you through it. Even through death. Because he also conquered death. That's how he overcame the world. So I want to quickly nail down three ways Jesus' resurrection can bring you hope in this life. Number one. Now, I was, when I was walking down the airport road, which I do every day, and that's where I do my prayer walk is uh, this, this acronym ACE came into my head. A-C-E. Everybody say ACE. ACE. It has no spiritual significance whatsoever. <laughs> but it will help you remember what I'm about to teach you. ACE. A is answered prayer. Answered prayer proves that God exists to begin with. You see, atheists say that God doesn't exist. Deism is like halfway from atheism to being a follower of Jesus Christ. Deism says this, a belief in the existence of a supreme being, specifically of a creator who does not intervene in the universe. The term is used chiefly of an intellectual movement of the 17th and 18th centuries that accepted the existence of a creator, now watch this, on the basis of reason. In other words, they are intellectually honest enough to look at the evidence around you, creation itself, and say there must be a divine design. There must be a creator. I mean, it's like saying that this building here had no designer, no architect, nobody built it, 
There were no subcontractors. This just uh, <laughs> happened. And we think, well, that's foolish. Yeah, but then we look at the galaxies and say, oh, <laughs> that just happened. Right? So deism, the intellectual movement of the 17th and 18th century says, too much evidence to say there's not a creator. However, reject the belief in a supernatural deity who interacts with humankind. So deism basically says, there is a God of power, but he's not a God of love. Now, why would a person come up with that conclusion? That he's a God of power, but not a God that's involved in your daily life. How, why would somebody come up with that? How could they? They haven't experienced him. That's where answered prayer comes in, man. When you pray a very specific prayer and then God answers it, you're like, wait a minute. That's exactly what I prayed. What a coincidence. Then you pray again and he answers it. And then you pray again and he answers it. That's how I, that's how I ended up becoming who I am today. There were too many coincidences. And after a while, I was like, wait a minute. I think he's actually answering my prayers. And that is when I enter into a personal relationship with Jesus. I think about a few weeks ago. I hurt my back so bad, I could not get off the couch. I actually went to an, uh, a, a, an event down at uh, the Williams' home, uh, a family in our church, who in, in Cabo right now, so I hate them. And... Uh, <laughs> And I mean, I, I went to this, I could not, I was sitting on the couch and my, my drink was right there on the coffee table and I could not lean up to get it because my back was excruciating pain. So Rick, sitting right next to me, would put his arm out like this and then I'd grab a hold of his arm and then he would sit up and I'd sit up with him. So I could, that's literally how bad it So the next morning I woke up and Hope says, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to go preach. I'm walking into the church, literally I'm walking like this down that hallway and people are sitting to me, what are you doing? I was like, I just can't move. So I go to pre-service pray. They lay hands on me. They pray over me. I didn't feel anything. Nothing changed. But it doesn't mean nothing was happening. That's faith. And so then I, I came. I sat in the chair. And I was sitting there thinking, I guess I'm just going to stand up here at this table. And I'm just not going to move. And I'm just going to preach like this. Anybody ever had their back hurt like that before? You know what I'm talking about? You can't even breathe deep. It hurts so bad. Right? And then I didn't even think about it. But I'm, run, I'm doing what I normally do, and I'm preaching like this, right? And I'm just going for it. And then after the message, we always have a song after I preach, so we get back into the presence. So I go, I'm standing there by the chair, and they're worshiping, and I'm doing what I normally do. It's kind of dangerous to sit next to me during worship, right? Because I, I like And I thought, wait a minute. What, what are you Oh, my gosh. So then I thought, what, what I always do, and I ask people to do this, when we pray for you to get physically healed... If you, once we pray for you, I say, do something you couldn't do before without pain. And so then I'm on the front row and I'm doing, I'm doing these, these, I'm doing this. Well, I didn't think about what that would look like. So afterwards, my daughter, who's leading worship, Ava, she, she asked me at home, she goes, why were you doing toe touches in church? I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize how stupid that looked. I was like, I was trying, I couldn't, I, I couldn't believe it. Isn't that funny? We pray for a miracle and then we get it. We go, I can't believe it. That proves you, proves you don't have to have perfect faith to get a miracle. Yeah, or my son's encounter. About a couple weeks ago, he's in the back there and he says, God, I just want to know you're real. Touch me. And he's running the camera. And all of a sudden, I look back there and I see my son Josiah back there and he's got his head in his hands like this. And I was thinking to myself, he's either asleep or he's having an encounter. I'm not sure which it is. 
And I really didn't. And so Chris is back there right now. He's doing the PowerPoint, and he sees, and he sees that I'm off camera. And he's like, Josiah, Josiah, right? And, and he realized, oh, my gosh, he's having an encounter with God. Josiah said his whole body was going numb, and he just started weeping and shaking. He said this peace of God came all over him, a God that's not involved. Or Paul, who's getting baptized today. He came to church to his own profession. His own profession, not more than, what, a month ago. He didn't even believe in God. He came to church. We prayed over him. And somebody prophesied over him. What's going on in your life? What you're thinking? What you're feeling? This is what God is saying. And he's like, I believe in God. Okay, that's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14. It says, unbelievers will come into your church services. You will prophesy their hearts. And they will fall down among you and say, God is truly in this place. That's exactly what happened. Blake had the same encounter. Jonah had the same encounter. All these guys are getting baptized today. They experienced the power and presence of God. Jesus said this, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. What? Okay, it, 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 it gets worse. And even greater works. Jesus, this came out of his own mouth. That we would do the works of Jesus and even greater works than Jesus did. How's that even possible? Because there's more of us. His disciples are to be going all over the earth. Healing the sick. Cleansing the lepers. Raising the dead. Casting out demons. Jesus said, this is how it works. Now go do it. He's, then he says, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so, the son of, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Every time there's a manifestation of the power of God in somebody's life, it brings glory to God. It's like, God, you're real. God, you're big. God, you're awesome. God! And it produces worship and glorifying God. It says, you can ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now, will you get all your prayers answered? Okay, it's not a trick question. I'm sorry if this is bad news for you, but the answer is no. Here we go. Will you get all your prayers answered? No. no. Is everybody going to get healed? Is everybody going to get saved? Is everybody going to get free? No. All of our, are you going to, you know, all your wildest dreams are going to come true? Contrary to Pedro, right? Napoleon Dynamite. All your wildest dreams aren't going to come true just because you give your life to Jesus. In fact, it could get worse because the enemy is going to start beating on you. They're trying to knock you out of your faith right? No, all your prayers are not going to get answered. We got to put this scripture in context. It's got to be in the will of God. And so I'm going to do a, a little quick side teaching here because this is really important about answered prayer. And then we're going to move to the next two points. Unanswered prayer causes some people to become so spiritually disillusioned that they either just flatline in their Christianity, their walk with God, or they disconnect altogether because they're so freaking disappointed why didn't god answer my prayer why didn't that person get healed why hasn't that person come back to the lord why didn't my finances turn around you know whatever it might be and we get why did i get fired why didn't god open that door of opportunity why didn't he save my marriage and so people that get incredibly disillusioned through unanswered prayer I coined a phrase that goes like this. Well, prayer, cha- prayer doesn't change things. It changes you. 
Well, then, if that's true, if that statement's true, we got to throw the Bible out. Because the Bible's chock full from cover to cover of answered prayers, deliverances, healings, salvations. Right? I mean, just read the Bible. You can't practically turn a page without seeing answered prayer and miracles. So what do we do with it? Well, this is a little graphic that works for me. I'm going to show this to you. You have Jesus bringing the kingdom, which is Jesus' ministry. That's like the, he set the bar up here where he just healed them all. Then you have our experience, which is below his reality, right? Anybody, are you with me? Is that, we're all down there and he's up here, right? And that's frustrating, isn't it? I call it the gap. That gap is frustrating. And what you do with that gap will determine everything. What you do with that gap will determine everything. The way you relate to God, the way you believe, the way you pray. Right? The gap. Everybody say the gap. Turn to your neighbor and say, what are you going to do with the gap? Okay, now, real quick, here's a few things you can put into that gap that are biblical. Sometimes prayer is not answered because of sin. The Bible is very clear about that. Unrepentant sin. Or unbelief. The Bible is very clear about unbelief blocking God's flow. It could be God's timing. Y'all notice that he's not a drive through God? You ever notice his timing is not your timing? That's frustrating. Or it's not God's will. Or demonic opposition, which is very clear in the Bible. Those are all real clear biblical examples of reasons why some prayers aren't being answered. But then you say, hey, I've turned over every one of those rocks. I can't look any farther. Okay, then the next box would be the supernatural revelation and words of knowledge. Like uh, we had a precious brother who just went to heaven. He was part of our congregation. He had a nosebleed for like seven years. I mean, his nose would not stop bleeding. He couldn't stop it from bleeding. And he was even laying hands and healing others. And yet his nose wasn't being healed. And so he was uh, in church service and uh, a pastor called him up and said, I have, a, I have a prophetic word for you, meaning a spiritual insight that God just gave to me for you. It's called a word of knowledge. And he said, you have unforgiveness toward your father. You need to forgive your dad. And Dennis said, he's right. And right there, he forgave his dad and his nose completely was healed. So that was, that was the Holy Spirit helping that believer discover the sin of unforgiveness that he was not in touch with. Thank God for the Holy Spirit, huh? Okay, what if you don't get that? Well, I have a third box that's just a question mark. And if you don't get comfortable with the question mark, you're going to find no peace in your spiritual walk. This question mark is the most frustrating box because we just don't know and we just don't understand. And if you're not okay with that, you're going to rage and raise your fist at God. Your heart's going to get hardened. And who knows what's going to happen to your spiritual walk. In that box, you're going to experience trust when you don't understand. Humility, because you're not God, He is, and God's sovereignty. But let me tell you something that will happen if you allow that box, the question mark, in your spiritual journey with Jesus. I just don't understand. I just don't. And no judging one another either. Right? We've got to be a place of grace. It's really hard when some get healed and some don't. And some get a blessing and some don't. The Bible says, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. We have to do both. We have to do both well. Right? Right? 
And we can't like throw answers on each other. You got to be careful with that. We're just all in this journey together. We're trying to slug it out. We're walking with Jesus. We're trying to just get some wins along the way and love everyone along the way. So when you're in that question mark box and you don't understand and it's not happening or prayers aren't getting answered, I want to say that something even better than answered prayer will happen if you'll stick with God. And that's the C of ACE. Everybody say ace. ace. It's Christ-like character. Christ-like character is a bigger miracle that you look like Jesus than your prayers can answer. Can I hear an amen? Yeah, I mean, your neighbor is the one that's most surprised, right? Your husband, your wife, your kids. When you look more like Jesus and you keep becoming more like Jesus, that's like the biggest miracle in the house, right? When you're becoming more patient, more kind, more long-suffering, wiser, nicer, right? Like, what's happening with dad? How come mom is, oh, I won't go there. How come my husband is, it's Christ-like character. It's a miracle. This is one of the places we experience hope because of the resurrection. You see, when you give your life to the resurrected Jesus, he will breathe his spirit into you, the Holy Spirit. He goes into your body and then Day after day, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, he is causing you to be transformed at the likeness of Jesus himself. Did you know that the biggest, the, the goal, I'm jumping ahead, Chris, the goal, and I'm going to come back, the goal, God's goal is not just for you to be saved or to give your life to Jesus but it's for you to look like Jesus when you get to heaven. His goal isn't just that you go to heaven, but that you look like Jesus when you get there. That's the ultimate goal of your salvation. Did you know that? It's not just to squeak into heaven. Woo! I made it. Woo! That was close. But then you come in looking like yourself. That's not very impressive. It's when you come into heaven and you're reflecting Jesus. And everybody's like, look! Oh my gosh! Claudia! Look how much you look like Jesus. Did you see her when Jesus first called her? Oh, it was a disaster. I know. I can't even believe it. I didn't think there was any hope. But look at her now. See, that's the point. Amen? Amen. Boy, you think about the Apostle Paul and who he was. Saul. Talk about a transformed life. Saul persecuting Christians, trying to snuff out the, this new thing called the way, the church. Why would this guy who's full of authority and wealth and power and prestige and political connectedness cash it all in to become a Christian? He tells us in his own words. Let's read this. This is about Christ-like character. So then, in Acts chapter 26, 9 through 18, I once thought to myself that it was my duty to do many things in opposition to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And this is just what I did in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints, God's people, in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but also when they were being condemned to death, I cast my vote against them. And I often punished them, making them suffer in all the synagogues who tried to force them to blaspheme. And in my extreme rage at them, I kept hurting them even to foreign cities, harassing and persecuting them. While so engaged... As I was traveling to Damascus with the authority and commission and full power of the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw a light 
On the way I saw a light from heaven surpassing the brightness of the sun, shining all around me and those who were traveling with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice in the Hebrew dialect, Jewish Aramaic, saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick repeatedly against the goads, offering pointless resistance. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Get up. Stay on your feet. I've appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you to serve as a minister and a witness, to testify with authority, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, choosing, for, choosing you for myself and rescuing you from the Jewish and the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you, to open their sp- eyes spiritually so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness and release from their sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified, set apart, made holy by faith in me. He turned from a terrorist, a persecutor, to an apostle of the church. You know, changed lives are the greatest testimony that there is, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. My sister was a full-on feminazi, man. Butch haircut, hated men, hard as a rock. She had just been mishandled and mistreated, and she was there. Now, she was angry, protesting everything. My dad was a professed atheist. When my sister gave her life to Jesus, the softness, the transformation in her life was so dramatic, my dad said, I can no longer, with intellectual honesty, be an atheist because only God could do that. And he ended up giving his life to Jesus. Because of a changed life. We have somebody here in the house, uh, Peter San Nicholas, over here. And uh, I read his story in the Ramona Journal uh, this past week. This is about a transformed life. This is where you either turn into God or away from God. And what happens when you turn to God is Christ like character can be formed rather than this nasty angry, bitter, resentful human being that he could have become. This story is in his own words. This story is of a young man here in Ramona. The year was 1997, and for more than a decade, the young man experienced having both parents in rehab numerous times in a combined six rehab facilities, two for his dad, four for his mom. He was suspended from school many times, expelled once, and attended four schools during his sixth grade year. He did his best to graduate from Ramona High School with a B average, and all honesty, he didn't even try. He just tried enough to pass and move on to the next grade. A year after high school, this young man finds himself in a dilemma. Does he let his mom, who has been in and out of rehabs for more than a decade, borrow his car where he knows in his heart she'll use it to get more drugs and alcohol? Or does he stand firm and tell her, no more lies, no, I won't let you take my car? He decides the latter. Over the next 12 hours, he considers this conversation and decides to call his mom the next morning to apologize. He tells her he will take her where she needs to go. Maybe it would be a time to reconnect. He picks up the phone to make the call. He dials the number, busy signal. He calls again, again, but it's still busy. He decides to ask his aunt, whom he lives with, to join him and see what's going on. He climbs the stairs at the second floor apartment, finds the door locked and the static sounds of the TV. He makes his way to the manager's office to see if he can get a key to the apartment. He finally makes it into the apartment where the TV is on loud and the phone is off the hook. His aunt bolts to the bedrooms to the young man, makes his way to the kitchen where he finds his mother with her waist and chest 
pressed up against the lower cabinets and her legs sprawled on the linoleum floor. She was dead. Overdosed. It is a pivotal point for this young man. And he could go in any direction. This is the time to be drawn to Jesus or to the darkness. He wasn't saved yet. The next week when he met with a pastor to over to, to talk about his mom's funeral service, the pastor asked him, Son, have you received Jesus as your, your Savior? He said, No. Would you like to? What made you say yes, Peter? Didn't have the answers. So he turned his life to Jesus. How long ago was that? Twenty-six years ago. And he is a godly man leading a godly family, playing drums in church and uh, owns a gym up in Ramona. He's a real estate agent. He's uh, just got Christ-like character. What would have happened to him if he chose the darkness? Where would he be? Where would I be? Where would you be? Where are some of you today? And that brings up the last way that the resurrection of Jesus gives us hope. One is answered prayer. He's, in, he's not only a powerful God, he's an involved God. He will listen to you and he will answer your prayers. He cares about you. Secondly, is when your prayers are not answered and you stay with God anyway, what happens in you is greater than what happens around you. You become like Christ. And then E is eternal life. See, for the believer in Christ, the follower of Jesus, it does not matter how bad it gets down here. It's all temporary. It's all temporary. We're just passing through. The Bible says it is appointed for every person to die one time, and then they're judged. And you'll either be judged for your sins and be separated from God for eternity in a place called hell, or... If you have given your life to Jesus, literally all your sins have been erased. And your name is written in another book in heaven. You can read this in Revelation chapter 20. It's called the book of life. Your name is written in the book of life. It's a free pass. Salvation is a free gift. The apostle John saw the future. Jesus opened his eyes. And look what he wrote. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look! God's home is now among His people. He will live with them, and they will be His people. God Himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All things are gone. All these things are gone forever. Peter says it this way. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a, say it out loud, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time.
In just a minute, I'm going to give you an invitation to receive Jesus as your Savior. Just like I did when I was 19 years old. Just like Peter did when he was 19 years old. That's the key age. If you missed 19, I'm not sure. (laughs) Jesus will save you if you are 5 or 105. This is the season of salvation. This is the age of grace. This is the age when you do not have to, nor can you earn your way to heaven. It is a free gift bought and paid for by Jesus Christ when he died for you on that cross. Friday was good Friday. It was good because he hung on the cross and said, it is finished. I have died for the sins of every human being that has ever lived and ever will live on the planet. Now all they have to do is receive me personally as their Savior, and I will receive them freely into heaven. And then he busts through the gates of hell, death in the grave, and he sits at the right hand of the throne of God, and he's calling you today. He's calling you today. He's drawing you today. I'm going to read two scriptures to you right now that I read to everybody who doesn't understand the salvation is a free gift. I did this with a young man at my dinner table a few weeks ago. I just read these two scriptures, and he said, I've never seen that before. I said, do you want to receive Jesus as your Savior now? And he said, absolutely. Two of them. And we just prayed right there, and they received the Lord as their Savior. And I said, what did it? He said, I saw it clearly in the Bible. So I'm going to do that for you, and then I'm going to pray a prayer for you, for you to be able to give your life to Jesus this morning. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. And Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Will you just close your eyes for a moment, just bow your head and just between you and God. And I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. And then I'm going to lead you in a prayer if you want to turn your life over to Jesus and begin a new life in God. Do you know if you were to die today if you would go to heaven? If your answer is probably not or I don't know, that can be turned into a absolutely I know I'm going to heaven when I die. It all depends on if you will pray this prayer with me and receive Jesus as your Savior. God's watching you right now with eyes of love, a heart of compassion, and he's calling you home. Life doesn't work without him, and you know that. Or maybe you gave your life to Jesus at one point in your life, but, boy, that was a long time ago. Or you've sinned so badly since then, you're loaded with shame. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus not only died for your sins, he died for your shame. And he wants to lift that shame from you today and give you a fresh start. So if you're in either one of those categories, you've never received Jesus before as your Savior, and you want to do that today, or you did, but it's been a long time, and you have been loaded with shame, you feel like, I've I've gone so far, God's still right there waiting for you. If you're in either one of those categories and you want to come to Jesus or back to Jesus today, we just raise your hand where you are, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer right there in your seat. I see your hand 
back there in the back row. I see your hand up in the front row here. Anybody have see your hand out there on the far right in the maroon shirt? I see you waving your hand right here. Okay, anybody else? Raise your hand. Say, I need to receive Jesus right here in the front row. I second row back here, this beautiful peach dress. I need to receive Jesus as my Savior this morning, or I need to come back home to Jesus. I need a fresh start. Anybody else raise your hand before I pray this prayer this morning? Okay, I want everyone to just pray this prayer out loud with me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. And I believe you rose from the dead. And I'm giving you my life right now for a fresh start. I'm receiving you, Jesus, right now as my Savior. Forgive me of all my sins. Breathe your Holy Spirit upon me and give me new life. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. Amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord praise. Okay, I'm going to ask everybody to stand, and I'm going to ask those, everybody stand. I'm going to ask those who just gave their life to Jesus or you rededicated your life to make a bold step. Would you please just move from your chair and come up front here with me, because I want to pray over you, okay? I'm going to ask a couple of the prayer team members to come up here as well. So if you raise your hand, and the, the church is just going to celebrate you. This is a safe place. So if you raise your hand to receive Jesus or to come back to Jesus, will you just make your way out and just come up front here? Come on. Come on. Yes. 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 Yeah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Come on, man. Woo. Yeah. Yes. Oh, God bless you. God bless you, brother. God bless you, brother. God bless you. What is your name, brother? Jamal. Let's get praise for Jamal. Come on. Let's thank God for Jamal. Bless you, brother. Lord Jesus, thank you for these precious ones. Let's lay hands on these new believers, these who have rededicated their lives. Let's pray for the Spirit of the living God to come upon them in power. Come on, church. Reach your hands out here. we got a baptism to do, but we're going to do a baptism of the Holy Spirit first. We lay hands on you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, we ask now that you fill them with the power of the Holy Spirit. So they can leave this place, Lord, full of the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus, for Jamal. Jamal, your, your shame has been taken away from you today. You are a son of God now. A child of the Father in heaven. You are now a well-loved child of God. All your shame, all your blame is gone. It's a brand new start for you. Fill them fresh and new, Lord, with the power of your Holy Spirit. God, thank you for this couple that come forward this morning to come back to God. Yes, Lord, you're not on plan B. God has no plan B. He makes all things new. It's unfair. His love is unfair. He just loves us anyway. Even when we don't deserve it, just receive it. Receive it, receive it. All things new. 
all things new. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Let's sing this chorus. thankful 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 for Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus okay now after the first sermon when Peter preached the people said what must we do to be saved and Jesus said 
Peter said, believe and be baptized. That's what we're going to do, all right? Now, there are people right now, they're going to be baptized. And uh, I'm going to do a fast change into my swim shorts and my t-shirt. We're going to head upstairs. We're also doing a baptism next Sunday. For those of you that got saved today, you need to get water baptized. I know some got baptized as a baby like I did, but every baptism in the Bible was after you gave your life to Jesus as an adult. You need to go down into the watery grave like Jesus was buried in the tomb. Then you come up out of the water to live a new resurrected life just like he rose from the dead. That's what water baptism is all about. So if you've never been water baptized and you weren't ready today, we'll baptize you in your clothes. That's fine. Absolutely. Or come back next Sunday. Peter got baptized in his clothes. He was in church. And they said, we're doing water baptisms. He's like, oh, okay. And he didn't know. He just jumped in the tank in his clothes. You can do that. Or come back next Sunday and we'll water baptize you next Sunday. But for today, we're now going to celebrate water baptisms. I know I ran a little bit late. I'm sure my staff's going to be a little upset with me, but they'll get over it. And here's what's going to happen. We're going to go out that door. I need, I need you guys' attention real quick. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to do a little logistics here. Um... Also, by the way, I don't know if they told you how to give, if you wanted to give, it just wasn't mentioned. You can do it online, you can text, or you can, um, there's, I think there's a box in the back you can give as well. Okay, here's what we're going to do. If you, uh, if you can't take the stairs, you can go, we're all going to go out that door right there. There's an elevator. You go up to the third floor and somebody's going to be up there to show you where to go. Everybody else is going to go all the way down that hallway until it dead ends. And there's a stairway. You're going to go up the stairs, and you're going to open up right to where the baptism is going to be. So it's simple, simple. Prayer teams are going to be up there if you need prayer. If you want prayer for physical healing, you want prayer for prophecy over you, you want prayer for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or you just want prayer for something specific, well, prayer teams up there as well to pray over you. So if you need to get changed to be water baptized, head to the bathrooms, change your clothes, we'll meet you upstairs. I'm going to change my clothes. Let's all go up and celebrate these baptisms. Amen? Here we go.